We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. We begin hour number two of the Bruce Hooley Show with a treat that we normally reserve for Thursdays at noon, but I will not be here tomorrow, and I did not want to cheat myself out of my weekly conversation with Matt Mayer of OpportunityOhio.org, and so we welcome Matt to the show today. You can also find out more about Matt's exploratory run for governor of the state of Ohio at his other website, which is Matt, I'm drawing a blank. It's OhioMatt.com, right? OhioMatt.com. Look at you, Bruce, man. pulling it from the grasp of the back of your man, brain. Oh, I man, oh, man. I got all the Comer sound bites in the front of my brain, and I had to, like, go around them and get to the back, OhioMatt.com, and you can follow Matt on Twitter, at OhioMatt. <laughs> okay, uh, you watched the press conference this morning. You and I were texting about whether we were going to uh, do this at 12 or whether we were going to do it at 1130, and you said you wanted to watch the press conference, so you watched it. Uh, just give me your takeaway on the Comer press conference and what you learned today that you didn't already know. Yeah, well, so we didn't know anything about this Romania component, right? And and I think the importance of that to your listeners is that it shows a a, a pattern in practice of the Biden family because it's not just this kind of China company issue. Now we've got a Romania company that they did the same kind of maneuvering, right? The multiple shell entities, the money comes in. A third goes to this guy, a third goes here, and then a third goes to the Biden family, washed through several different, different, uh, you know, kind of front companies that then land in the bank accounts of up to nine Biden family members. So the importance there, right, is it establishes a pattern in practice, which legally is important for a million different reasons. And so, you know, and this is, remember, this is just the information they've gotten in the first hundred days of having subpoena power. Mm-hmm. Imagine what's still out there as it relates to Mexico you know, Russia, Ukraine. So there's going to be more here. And it's clear that Comer and his his team have have really unopened a can that's going to be deeply problematic for Joe Biden in the coming months and year and a half till re-election. Problematic if he's actually called on it or asked about it. And I thought one of the strong points Comer made today is that things are backwards now, that we used to have a media that would ferret these kinds of things out, and then there would be oversight from Congress on it. But now we have to have Congress find it out. And if you're a Democrat, you have no interest in finding it out. You uh, make fun of it. You disparage it. You diminish it at every turn. And corruption in government should not be a partisan issue, Matt. And it's not, Bruce, but here's the thing, right? The, the the role of the mainstream media, the corrupt, biased media, is decreasing every passing year. And so the channels to get information out outside of those are growing and growing. And that's why when you see polling data, right, a majority of Americans believe that Joe Biden knew what Hunter was doing, was involved in it. So they're not going to keep a lid on this, at least, at least not a lid that's going to prevent there to be you know, independent voters who say, yeah, this guy is corrupt and we know it. And, and let, let me just put this into context, right? When I worked at Homeland Security and I left, I went and worked for Lockheed Martin as the director of Homeland Security, right? Why did Lockheed Martin want me? 
they wanted me because there were still three years left uh, on the on the Bush administration, and they viewed me as having access to the secretary, the deputy secretary, mm-hmm. and all the folks that worked in Homeland Security, as well as folks at the White House, that I could then get access to, I could get meetings with potentially, right? I had information that was relevant. As each year passed by, and we then saw the changeover to the Obama administration, my value decreased enormously, right? Because they were replaced. The people that got that I knew were all replaced, right? And sure. so it is clear that the Bidens were following that type of deal, that they knew in that 2015, 2016, right, that as, as the election was coming up, right, that they, the, the value of Joe Biden was going to decrease substantially once he was no longer president. Now, they assumed Hillary was going to win, right? Because, yes. You know, God, how could she possibly lose to Trump? But so they would still have their connections in the State Department, right? They would have connections in the White House, connections at other agencies. But his value was at a peak in around 2014 and 2015 when you see the, the real aggressive start of this using that connection to get foreign entities to essentially pay the Biden family for tons of money. And again, the big question that they keep raising that Comer and others raise that is the right one to raise is, what did you do for that million dollars? Yeah that million dollars, that million dollars. And nobody can answer what they did other than provide access to Joe Biden. Yeah, it's absolutely a great point. And to your point about your past association with Lockheed Martin, like we're never going to be able to end that in government. And I don't think we ever could end that. I mean, you you get hired in any job because of what you can accomplish. And if you know the right people to contact and they know you and they trust you, there's nothing criminal about that. But when you are doing deals with, as was pointed out today, why are all the deals with countries where China would be the most reputable country on the list? Why are the deals not with Great Britain, Australia, Israel? Why are they not with countries that are, you know, not corrupt countries, not countries that are adversaries of the United States? But they're with countries like Ukraine and China and Romania and other countries where uh, we're not really sure how things work there, except we know that influence is everything. Well, two very simple reasons. The U.K., Germany, Australia, they already have long, deep relationships with lobbying firms Mm. and with folks that they didn't need kind of quick access in, in, in injury. Right. That's why you're noticing it's always these countries like Romania, Russia. China, Ukraine, tons of corruption, tons of issues, right, that they don't have those relationships. So this was a quick and easy way to, to go through Hunter Biden in order to get to the, frankly, highest person whose portfolio, right, was over these issues in these countries. So, so, so this is classic, in, you know, influence buying. And again, this is where I think Comer said to the Justice Department on, on Sunday in the shows, do not charge Hunter before Wednesday, because what he's showing is, if they don't put a, a charge against Hunter to violate the FARA, which is a, the Foreign Active you know, Influence Act, if, if they don't charge him with that, right, then they are absolutely putting their finger on the scales because it is clear he violated that law, which, by the way, that same law is what they used to go after Paul Manafort right. and others of the, of the Trump administration. So the idea that they don't use this is poppycock. If they don't use it on Hunter Biden, it's purely for political purposes, which is not what the Justice Department should be engaged in. Yeah, and that's what the whistleblowers have told them, and we'll find out more because this is going to continue. Our guest is Matt Mayer, OpportunityOhio.org, his website, OhioMatt.com, details his positions on uh, myriad issues that will be relevant to the governor's race in the state of Ohio. And in that realm, 
Uh, before we get to, to, to one other thing, the vi- gun violence in Columbus, the murders in Columbus, the shootings in Columbus, and, and what your take on that is, because I'm sure you have a policy position on it. Uh, independent media gets the, uh, you know, the, uh, the jump yesterday from, Hunter, from, uh, from Tucker Carlson now saying he's going to go on Twitter. Uh, I don't know the way to monetize that, but I'm sure Elon Musk is working on it. I just kind of wanted to get your reaction to Tucker uh, apparently not breaking his Fox contract by announcing he's going to do a show on Twitter. Yeah, no, look, I think it's great. Tucker's voice needs to be out there. The idea that Fox is going to try to muzzle him through the election is not going to happen. And, you know, the, he, how they're going to monetize it is, right, is that it's going to essentially they're going to create a, 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 a avenue on Twitter where, you know, advertisers who want to then, of course, you know, be, be, see, get the access to all those people that are going to follow and watch, you know, what, what, what uh, Tucker does on Twitter, they're going to monetize it that way, right? That's the way to monetize it. Uh, that'll be good for Twitter, good for Tucker, and, and good to make sure his voice is out there because he is a powerful voice speaking truth on a lot of really core issues that nobody has the guts to, to take on. Yeah, well, uh, the antithesis of that is Andrew Ginther continues to uh, advocate for gun laws and getting illegal guns off the street and stuff that doesn't stop the shootings, doesn't stop the the Dodge City type situation we had in the short north on the early hours of Saturday morning. As you look at all the things that people prattle on about and talking about the uh, murder rate in Columbus and the like, uh, as a guy who's a problem solver, uh, what as governor or what as a, as a policymaker, uh, what point would you like to make about this that others are not making or are not making forcefully enough? Well, again, you know, I, I think the key here is we've got to beef up law enforcement. We've got to make sure our prosecutors are aggressively going after violators, putting them in jail, keeping them in jail, right? Because, you know, as we've seen repeatedly, that, that when, there is, when there is prosecution, when the bad guys are kept in jail, crime comes down. We saw that in the 90s in New York. We've seen that all over the country. It works, right? So, so again, enforce the laws aggressively and let's clean out the criminals that are in, the, in these areas that are doing the harm. It's not good guys who are using guns illegally, getting illegal guns, using them to kill people. It's the bad guys. So let's stop playing pussyfoot with George Soros and these district attorneys and prosecutors who are going light on the bad guys. Lock them up. And, and you'll watch crime come down, right? And, and, and that's that's the key here. But again, this left wing drive to like not prosecute bad people, to let them out of jail early, that that is going to cause greater and greater chaos and crime and death among the most vulnerable people in this state. And that is that is wrong. And, and, and when I'm governor, I will hold Ginther accountable in a way he can't possibly imagine. So they want to pick a fight. They're going to fight with me, and they're going to lose big. Well, uh, we definitely need somebody to put some heat on him because uh, he's getting his message out and people are buying it hook, line, and sinker. And it just, to me, is uh, ridiculous that he can continue to say these things are unacceptable when they continue to happen. Uh, I find his leadership... Well, remember, who, who, the only people buying his message are a bunch of left-wing Democrats that live in the city of Columbus. And wait till they start suffering crime in Clintonville, in Bexley, in Upper Arlington. You watch how quickly they'll start changing their tune, right? But yeah. I don't care how many people support his dumb message. All I know is someone's got to go in there to protect the people that are most vulnerable and that are getting hurt right now. My apologies to Matt Mayer. Uh, we had a hard out uh, at the quarter after the hour, and we uh, could not allow him to finish his thought. But I appreciate Matt coming on. And uh, the fact that he went a little long, uh, I attribute to his passion 
for fixing a problem that is fixable. The violence in Columbus is fixable. But the fix is not super sexy. You mean you're going to fix crime by putting people in jail and keeping them in jail? Uh, Yes, that has always worked. And there's this hesitance out there to do what's always worked because we have fallen victim to the ridiculous idea that doing what always works, which is holding people accountable, is somehow mean, not compassionate, or at the high end of the lunatic excuse, racist. People need to be responsible and accountable for the decisions that they make. It is not difficult, I've said many times, and I will always say, it is not difficult to live your life without ever sitting in the back of a police car. It is not difficult. A lot of you listening to me right now never sat in the back of a police car. And it's not on the list of your top 100 achievements in life. But we do have a code within certain areas of town where it is romanticized, ingrained in people's ideas that they need to hate the police. And it's not always only in the areas of town where people are unsafe. I read with interest today. A collection of letters to the editor in the Columbus Dispatch. Some of them are smart. Some of them have their finger right on the bullseye of the issue and how to fix it. And some of them, quite likely from very liberal parts of town, are ridiculously stupid. Let's read a couple of them. Here's one from Stephen Stewart in Columbus. He said, I strongly encourage all policy and change to come from police officers not elected or appointed officials. Police officers can determine the actions needed to improve this deterioration of a once great city. Police officers on the street know exactly what to do. They know the tactics. They know the actions due to their living it every day. And then he adds this. Police must be protected and supported instead of politically trying to make a point to the electorate by determining that police are the problem. Criminals who break the law are the problem. Absolutely 100% right. Stephen says, quit playing politics by spreading a false premise. But then we have other people who are so much smarter. And here is the dumbest response from the smart people. It comes from Molly Farrell of Columbus. Molly, call the show. Come sit on the show any day you want to, because this is such a dumb idea. I read with interest Mayor Andrew Ginther's embrace of a public health approach to gun violence. However, I was disappointed to see no mention of an evidence-based strategy. Show me the evidence. Okay? You saying there's evidence-based strategy does not mean there is evidence-based strategy. I noticed you don't cite your evidence. You just say it exists. This is one of the big red flags. You all have to start to bring to the table when you read, listen, and watch media is that terms just come flying at you and you don't even stop to go, wait a minute, wait a minute, what did you just say? Evidence-based, experts say, studies show. Show me the expert. Who are you talking about? Show me the study. What study? And in this case, what evidence? I was disappointed to see no mention of an evidence-based strategy for reducing violence that is so thoroughly backed by research, which I won't cite. 
that Cincinnati and Cleveland have all signed on to. Yes, don't we all wish that our city could be as safe as Cleveland and Cincinnati, (laughs) where they have bought in fully to Molly's evidence-based, research-backed initiatives. What is her evidence-based, research-backed initiative? Are you ready? Mayors for a guaranteed income. Oh, brother. She says, if the mayor would like a suggestion as to where to fund such a win-win pilot program. Yeah, where are you going to get the money to fund this, Molly? Oh, don't worry. Molly's got an answer. My first suggestion would be reducing the police budget. Since responding to violence with more violence has never worked here or anywhere. Yes, responding to violence by having the police go, hey, they're shooting at us. Well, I guess we'll just let them keep shooting because if we shot back, that would be more violence. Actually, Molly, I quarrel with your brain-dead point you're making. And I would submit as proof that I'm right and you're wrong that the police officer in Allen, Texas, responded to violence with more violence. And do you know what happened, Molly Farrell? The violence being visited upon those shoppers by the neo-Nazi with the gun, his violence immediately stopped because he had been, as we so euphemistically now say, neutralized by more violence. Yes, Molly wants to cut the police budget to give the underprivileged a guaranteed income. And she wraps up by saying, doing the right thing and joining all the other Ohio mayors who support a guaranteed income is a big missing step in our city's anti-gun violence strategy. Hey, Molly, how much is the guaranteed income going to be? Because I'm going to fill you in on a little secret here, girlfriend. The kids in Columbus who are engaged in crime are doing it because they make more money doing it or get more fulfillment from doing it, more thrill, more cred, more fame, more popularity than any guaranteed income you're going to be able to give them. Do you think selling drugs in the city of Columbus and getting away with it pays more money than any, what, $100 a week handout, $1,000 a week handout? Crime can be, if you're not caught, a very lucrative way to live. You don't have to pay taxes on any of your money. This guaranteed income idea is as stupid as midnight basketball and job training programs. Here, come on in here, young man. Let me teach you how to flip burgers at McDonald's where you can make... $12 $12 an hour. $12 an hour? Man, I was making 1500 bucks selling like three fentanyl pills down on the corner. Why would I want to do it for $12 an hour? Yeah, maybe the guaranteed income needs to go. Maybe Molly. Maybe Molly could fund the guaranteed income.